Johnson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Do you ever say something you regret? you ever say something you wish you maybe hadn't have said or maybe you have said it differently? I bet we all have, right? Have you ever have you ever done it on live radio? Because that's what I did yesterday. We were talking about the Packers and the Brewers and the Bucks and, and maybe which team is most exciting right now. Because as we know in the past, the Packers are typically number one, right? They kind of rule the state. And no matter what the Brewers are doing or the Bucks, our main focus is always the Packers, or at least it comes back to the Packers. And I said yesterday, look, I'm, I'm bored. I'm done talking about the Packers and whatever assistant coach they hire or, or whatever lower-level strength and conditioning coach they bring onto the staff. We talked about Matt LaFleur. We got the offensive coordinator. We got the defensive coordinator. I'm good. I am done talking about this. I would rather talk about the Bucks. I would rather talk about the Brewers offseason. There's a million other things going on. But I said, if the Packers hire their special teams coordinator, I will talk about that. If the Packers hire the special teams coordinator, finally, I will lead with it tomorrow, January 31st, 2019. And damn it, that's exactly what they did. So we got to start with Packers today. I got to uh, I got to live up to what I said yesterday. The Packers hired their special teams coordinator, which was their one big hole remaining on their staff. There's a couple of little openings that Matt LaFleur has to plug still, but for the most part, they have their offensive coordinator in Nathaniel Hackett. They have their defensive coordinator in Mike Pettin, who obviously was retained, and and you have your head coach, Matt LaFleur. The only thing that was missing, big picture, was your special teams coordinator. Everything else is going to kind of fill in itself. And now the Packers have hired their special teams coordinator. That's Sean Menenga. I really hope I'm saying that right. This was announced uh, earlier today. So I hope I'm saying that right. Sean Menenga, M-E-N-N-E-N-G-A. If I'm not saying it right, we can save it and we can use it later uh, to be funny and point out the fact how dumb that I sound. How does that, uh, that's going to work. It was announced earlier this morning and then confirmed later on, first announced by ESPN and Rob Domovsky that Matt LaFleur has hired his special teams coordinator, Sean Menenga. And the the challenge is going to be for Sean, Coach Sean. Let's call him Coach Sean. That's easier. The challenge for Coach Sean is going to be, uh, well, a a large challenge. But luckily for Coach Sean, he really has nowhere to go but up. The Packers special teams coordinators, at least under Mike McCarthy, and their special teams units as a whole have been awful. Uh, Sean Slocum was the talk of the town in 2014 when he was originally let go. And then Ron Zook, uh, last year they weren't great on special teams, but this year was a whole nother level. And they were finishing la- last in certain special teams rankings. And it was just a mess. Uh, so he does have a big challenge ahead of him going from hopefully the bottom of the basement to uh, making any sort of improvement. But luckily for Coach Sean, there's nowhere to go from up. Look at it that way. That's a, that's a positive spin to put on it today. Uh, and we are going to talk about the Packers finally filling out at least the biggest places and the biggest positions on their coaching staff to lead the Wisco Sports Show here today on WKTY. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Grant Bills. You can always join in at 608-796-2558. That is the five-star telecom talk and text line and on Twitter, both at WKTY and at Keystroker Grant. So as we stand right now, the staff is mostly filled out. You have your offensive coordinator in Hackett, your offensive line coach in Stenovich, your quarterback's coach, as we talked about earlier this week, is now Luke Getze. Receivers coach, running back coach, tight ends coach, all bringing back some retained from Mike McCarthy, like Ben Sermons, other, uh, others brought in. Mike Pettin was, uh, was retained, as uh, was his defensive line coach and Jerry Montgomery. Inside linebackers coach is brand new, Kirk Olivadotti. Outside linebackers coach is Mike Smith. 
and defensive back is Jason Simmons. Now they have their special teams coordinator in Sean Menenga, and we're off and running. The only big hole yet to fill is the strength and conditioning. And to be honest, that... I don't know how much we're going to talk about strength and conditioning coaches. I mean, for all the injuries that we see on the Packers roster the last couple of years, everything that I've heard and everything we're told is you can't blame the strength and conditioning coach. You can't blame uh, the trainers they have on staff. So we're just going to not wade into those waters, and we're going to talk X's and O's of football. The Packers, for the most part, like I said, have their coaching staff filled out. And it's an interesting story for Dave Menenga because he was the special teams coach at Vanderbilt originally, or that's where he has been uh, for the previous couple of years. He has also served as the Browns assistant special teams coach, assistant from 2011 to 2017. While in Cleveland, he coached uh, under Chris Tabor, who's one of the hotter names in terms of special teams coordination. Uh, And he is currently the Bears special teams coach, Chris Tabor. He worked under Tabor uh, in Cleveland for a couple of years. And in his first stint with the Bears, Tabor worked under Taub, uh, another one of the most highly regarded uh, special teams coordinators in the league. That's Dave Taub, who's currently in Kansas City. So, you know, as much as we can know about assistant coaches and the biggest piece of conversation surrounding assistant coaches is going to be, well, where have they worked in the past and what coaches have they worked under? Because the hope is that they have absorbed some of that information. Right, and some of that success from, hopefully, successful coaches that they've worked under. That looks to be the case for Menenga, who has worked under Dave Taub, uh, worked under Chris Tabor, and hopefully some of that was absorbed uh, and, like, like I said, absorbed and learned while working under some of those bigger coaches. He, Menenga says, this is according to a source, not from Menenga himself. He plans to implement the same schemes run by Taub and Tabor. So la- this last year was interesting. The Packers finished last in uh, the biggest special teams uh, rankings are put out every year by Rick Goslin, uh, and obviously they're not going to retain Zook because it was just it was, it was a really bad look. You don't want your special teams to be coming in 32nd in the league. Under Zook, the Packers rank 17th, 29th, 16th, and 32nd. So it's not like Ron Zook had a good year followed by a bad year. They've never been top 15, which I think is the benchmark. When you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, the goal for every other unit on the field, whether it's defense or special teams, you just be in the top half of the league, and you look for that high-level quarterback to take you there. There's not many quarterbacks uh, that you can approach and use this strategy with. I think Drew Brees, Tom Brady, uh, Peyton Manning at the time was that way. Matt Ryan, probably not. Matt Stafford, probably not. Big Ben, you probably could. Eli Manning, uh, at this point, probably not. But there are a couple, a handful of upper-level elite quarterbacks where you can say, hey, as long as we get the offense, if we get an offensive line to protect our quarterback and a little bit of a running game, everything else just has to be slightly above average and, and we can win and we can contend. And that, I'm sure, will be the Packers' goal this year. If they can go from 32nd to 15th in special teams or even come close to the upper half of the league, that will be a welcome sight and a welcome change for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, interestingly enough as well, the Packers this last year, they were penalty-ridden on special teams. They tied the second uh, in the NFL with 26 penalties. And if you remember Matt LaFleur's introductory press conference, which was aired here on WKTY, and then we broke it down uh, the following hour on the Wisco Sports Show, there was a very interesting line stated by Matt LaFleur regarding defense and special teams. Now, those aren't his... Those aren't his units. They're under his umbrella of responsibility. He's in charge of hiring his defensive coordinator, right, and his special teams coordinator, but they are not his units. They're not his handiwork. He is delegating with defense and special teams. So somebody at that press conference, I don't remember which reporter it was, asked him, what do you envision for your defense? What do you envision for your special teams? Even though they're not your units, they're your responsibility, and how do you want them to be ran? This is what he had to say, and I think it fits very well with what we have seen uh, come to 
fruition on with some of his coordinators, especially this last hire with uh, with Coach Sean Menenga. Yeah, I want a defense that is ball hawking, that is going to create turnovers, that plays fast and physical, and really try eliminates explosive plays. I think on special teams, it's, it's very similar in terms of, you know, I don't want to be, I want to be sound. I want to attack matchups on special teams. And we always talk about penalty-free aggression. We want to make sure that we are playing aggressive, but we got to be smart. We don't, we don't want to put ourselves in negative situations. Three things that Matt LaFleur said there, right? He, he said, I want a ball-hawking defense. Yada, he talked about the defense, and then he gets to special teams. He said, I, I want a special teams that attacks matchups, right? Well, they didn't exactly do that last year. If I remember correctly, and I'm sure Packers fans remember this as well, I believe it was the inverse. The Packers were the ones having their matchups uh, exploited and attacked. Remember when they put Lucas Patrick, uh, a guard, an offensive lineman on kickoff returns? Where were they kicking the ball? They were kicking the ball right at him. Matt LaFleur wants to attack matchups on special teams. Right, he wants to seek out those favorable matchups, uh, maybe with his gunners or his kick returners. I would argue that the exact opposite was happening last year, and the Packers were being exploited and attacked with some of their matchups. Not a good look. He wants to flip that around. Second thing he said was penalty-free aggression. You want to be aggressive, right? You want to play with energy and attitude, but you don't want to do so to a detrimental level where you're racking up penalties. The Packers had 26 special teams penalties last year. That's absurd. It was the second highest in the NFL, tied for the second in the NFL. You can't have that. So listening to what Matt LaFleur says, even it wasn't his introductory press conference, and it wasn't a super long answer, but what he gave you was very useful. It was very telling about maybe the direction uh, that he wants to steer this team and what his goals are going to be for his other units. Not his offense, but his defense, and his special teams units as well. 608-796-2558. I said if if they hire a special teams coordinator, I'm going to get on. It's the first thing we're going to talk about today. There you go. I brought it to you. That's what we know about the new Packers team. Uh, Packers special teams coordinator, Sean Menenga from Vanderbilt. Spent time under Tabor uh, in Chicago and some other notable special teams coordinators as well. Hopefully they got a guy who can turn things around and start to look not at first or second in special teams in league, although that'd be great. I'm not going to not going to turn my nose up at that. Somebody who can just get them back to average. And you give Aaron Rodgers a chance. That's what it becomes for the Green Bay Packers these next couple of years on defense and on special teams. Just be top 15, give Aaron Rodgers a chance, and you like your odds to contend uh, for some playoff wins and, and maybe aim to get back at the Super Bowl here before Aaron Rodgers' time is said and done. I want to transition away from the Packers talk, and I want to move into a little NBA chatter. The trade deadline is just a couple of days away, and there was some huge news today. We were talking about Anthony Davis. Uh, Chris Tapps Porzingis came into the news today, and it seemingly, as soon as he was put on the block, he was snapped up. He is now a Dallas Maverick. We'll talk about it all. I'll talk about the trade deadline a little bit as it affects the Bucks, because that's really what we draw back to, right? This is the Wisco Sports Show. We're here to talk about our teams. And it's cool that Anthony Davis is in swirling in trade rumors, and it's cool that Chris Tapps Porzingis got traded, but how does it affect the Milwaukee Bucks? Because they're 36-13. and 13. They're the best record in the NBA. It's the best season of my lifetime. How does it affect the Bucks? That's what it comes down to. I want to tackle that question. Coming up next as the Wisco Sports Show rolls on with me, your host, Grant Bills, here on WKTY. The Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Hope you're having a good night. Uh, Just a little bit of news to pass along. Wade Miley has signed with the Astros. One year, $4.5 million. I had a good feeling about Wade Miley maybe coming back to the Brewers, but it looks like the more we learn, the Brewers never showed interest in re-signing him. So 
Yes, I was wrong. We will be without Wade Miley this season as uh, as we continue to to strut closer towards spring training. I, I don't want to talk about the Brewers and baseball and the hot stove league that it is right now. I want to talk about the NBA, whose narrative and speculation and drama is swirling maybe more so right now than any other league. We've talked about the NBA trade deadline and how it's approaching and maybe how that will impact the Bucks. And there just seems to be one story after another and one more piece of drama after another coming out uh, for multiple teams in the NBA right now. So I want to touch on it all. 608-796-2558. The five-star telecom talk and text line is open. A text or a call. I'd love to talk to uh, talk some NBA, talk some trade deadline, and talk some Milwaukee Bucks. It's really interesting. The two biggest names out there are, remains Anthony Davis, who wants to be traded from the Pelicans. The Lakers seem to make most sense. Everybody wants to speak the Lakers into existence. I don't see it right now, but maybe before next week. It appears the Pelicans are pretty set on moving Anthony Davis, or moving on from Anthony Davis, rather, I should say. It, it sounds like a lot of people are, are under the belief that he's played his last game for New Orleans, which is interesting. I don't know why they would trade him before this trade deadline, as I talked about yesterday, but that's out there. And then today, Kristaps Porzingis comes out that he's met with management and would prefer to be traded. And next thing you know, he has been shipped to Dallas uh, for basically a bunch of expiring contracts and Dennis Smith Jr. So the Knicks now appear to be full-on cap space mode. They want cap space. They have two max contract slots this upcoming summer, and they are going big game hunting, essentially, trying to land anything and anyone who will come play in New York, whether that's Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, uh, right, Clay Thompson, Jimmy Butler. There's a lot of names out there. It just seems like kind of a crapshoot. You trade away a great player like Kristaps Porzingis with the hopes that you can attract another free agent in this upcoming summer. Here's what's interesting. I was talking about the trade deadline and thinking about the trade deadline earlier today and really what it comes down to, and, and this is the analogy that I was thinking of and it's kind of entertaining, really interesting. You remember you remember in middle school and high school, just bear with me here for a sec, this will make sense. If you went, remember back to middle school or junior high, senior high, whatever you called it, you know, age like 12 through 18. I, I remember when we would eat lunch in the lunchroom and by the end of the semester, you would always kind of have your table figured out, right? You'd sit at the same table every day. You'd sit by the same people every day. But at the beginning of the semester, different people and different lunch periods, you would kind of have to figure that out, right? Or, okay, who am I going to sit with? And you don't want to feel like you're stuck, right? On the first day of of the first semester, you go to lunch and you're like, I don't want to be stuck with the wrong people all semester. I don't want to be at a table uh, without my friends. You know, I don't want to be stuck in a bad situation. That's what I think of the NBA trade deadline and NBA free agency. It's a bunch of players who only want to go play for a team if they know another player that they like is going to be there, right? The, the headline came out last week that Clay Thompson appears interested in looking at the Lakers, but only if they get Anthony Davis. And only because LeBron James is already there. So in the case of Klay Thompson, if the Lakers trade for Anthony Davis, because LeBron James is there, Klay Thompson will think about it, right? It's, it's like, well, all right, if you want to sit here and eat lunch, I'll sit here and eat lunch. And then you, you have these situations where a player's maybe interested and then a, a player's maybe not. It's like you sit down. You don't. You never want to be the first guy to sit down at an empty table, right? Because what if somebody you don't like comes and sits next to you and then you have people jumping from table to table. You're trying to get it figured out. It's a it's a cluster, right? It's a huge mess because nobody wants to be stuck at a lunch table with weird people that they don't like because then you're locked in for the semester. Once everybody gets their spot, once everybody gets their table, nobody's switching around. Nobody's changing it up. So the NBA trade deadline and more so the start of NBA uh, free agency, although trades are becoming more and more like free agency because players have been requesting trades and saying, I would rather go here or I will only resign here. So don't trade me anywhere else. Nobody else want to trade for me because I'm not going to resign. It's becoming more 
free range all the time. And that's what it made me think of. I'm like, man, all these players only want to go to a team if their buddy, who's also going to be a free agent, is going to go there. It's it's really funny to watch. It's really entertaining to watch. Clay Thompson, yeah, I'll think about the war. I'll think about the Lakers, but only if you trade for Anthony Davis, right? Kevin Durant will think about joining the Knicks, but only if another superstar will join him. It's just, it's a bunch of kids. It's a bunch of kids with lunch tables, and they don't want to be stuck at a table of weird kids for an entire semester because then they're they're just screwed, and they got to sit at the table and hate lunch every day until next semester, i.e. their contract is up, and then they get a chance to choose again. This is what I was thinking of, and it's really interesting, and, and that's what's fascinating about the Knicks. They traded away their established star, the best player they've had probably since Melo, in the early 2010s, 2011s, 2012s. It's been a while, six or seven years. Their best player they've had since Mello. And they traded him away for a bunch of expiring contracts and Dennis Smith Jr., who's maybe a piece to rebuild with, but it doesn't seem like anybody's too high on him. They traded away a superstar for the idea, for the potential that they could sign two superstars to max contracts this summer. What if nobody wants to come play for the Knicks? What if... What if, let's let's imagine it this way, James Dolan is sitting down in the lunchroom and he's the first dude to sit down. And he had Kristaps Porzingis sitting next to him and he had Tim Hardaway Jr., right? And he had Courtney Lee and he said, oh man, I don't like this. So what James Dolan did is jump to a new lunch table all by himself and he said, all right, now let's see who comes to sit by me. He could be joined by two superstar free agents. He could be joined by Kevin Durant. He could be joined by Kyrie Irving or he could be joined by nobody. And James Dolan is going to have to sit and eat lunch by himself for the rest of the semester, right? We all remember that in high school and middle school. That's what the Knicks situation is right now. That's what NBA free agency is like. And it is entirely entertaining to watch because it's so dramatic. All these rumors, all these tweets, who's following who, who's liking whose images on Instagram. It's funny. It's entertaining to watch. The Bucks have been entertaining to watch this year. They're 36 and 13, but they have not been filled with drama like maybe the Pelicans and the Lakers or the Knicks or the Celtics or even the Raptors with some of the, the trade rumors they've been a part of. The Bucks haven't really had the drama. Thonmaker wants out, but let's face it, Thonmaker, as of right now, I love his potential. I love him as a player. I love him as a person, but he is a reserve. He doesn't play a whole lot. He gets a lot of DNPCDs. Like, there are nights where, where Budenholzer is just like, we don't have minutes for you. You're not in our regular rotation, and he wants traded out. That's about the only drama surrounding this Bucks team. They're 36-13, and 13 and they're leading their conference in record and, and the NBA. They play the Raptors tonight. You can hear that on WKTY. There hasn't been drama, and the approach that I have heard with a lot of Bucks fans is, you have the best record in the NBA. Don't mess with it. Don't try to get better. Don't try to, to sneak away somebody to build for the future like a thon maker. Just stand pat. And that logic works really well, and you are not wrong to think of that. I just don't know. I think... John Horst and this Bucks ownership group is looking right now at their 36-13 and 13 record and a coach in Mike Budenholzer who everyone has seemingly bought into and is willing to follow and listen, which is something they haven't had, at least since before Jason Kidd. And they're thinking, man, I love this team, but what if we could just get a rental superstar for one year? What if we could just get that one extra star around Giannis and really go for it? Really go for it this year. I think that's out there too. I thought... That it's Anthony Davis is a bit out of reach. I don't think they have the right pieces. They have pieces. They're not the right pieces to get Anthony Davis. I actually thought they may have had the pieces to go get Kristaps Porzingis. Eric Bledsoe, Chris Middleton. They're established players. The Knicks have sucked forever. They don't want to suck anymore. If you offer the Knicks a bunch of established players to win some games with, I bet they would, I bet they would listen. 
maybe include a pick and a developing player like Thon Maker in there. That's something. But of course, Kristaps Porzingis, the, the rumor and the fact that Porzingis was on the trade block came and went so quickly today, Bucks probably didn't even have time to make a call. I actually think the Mavericks deal was probably said and done last night when the Knicks played the Raptors and then they just announced it today and they really put pen to paper today. I thought Porzingis, should this thing have drug out a little bit longer, I thought the Bucks maybe had the type of players and the type of ammo to make a deal. They don't have the type of ammo to make the Anthony Davis deal. The Raptors do. The Lakers do. The Celtics might if he's still on the, the Pelicans come this summer. I don't think the Bucks do. Porzingis would have been interesting. We have about a week to go until the NBA trade deadline. And, and, and undoubtedly, more players are going to become available. I think they're going to more so go after some lower-level players, some veteran guys who are either going to get traded or bought out. Last year, you had Gallinari, and you had Ursan Ilyasova both snapped up by the Sixers. I think the Bucs are going to look to do something pretty similar. There's a batch of players on the Hawks right now who said have all become available. Jeremy Lin, Dwayne Dedman, uh, Damari Carroll. I like Dwayne Dedman on the Bucs. It, it's not going to be a blockbuster deal. It's not Kristaps Porzingis. It's not Anthony Davis. But it's reserves, right? It's it's depth. I think that might be where the Bucs are trending. And I, I completely am upset with myself. I haven't mentioned it until now. This is all stuff we're going to talk about here in a few minutes with Joe Zenzola, Radio Joe, the executive producer of the Bill Michaels Show. You hear him every day on WKTY from 11 to 2. I really buried the lead on this one. That's the first thing I should have said when I got on air today. But I was so... <laughs> Hot and bothered to talk about the Packers hiring a special teams coach. We just had no time. So we got right into it. We're going to talk to Joe about all this. I want to talk a little bit of Packers, a little bit of Bucks, a little bit of Brewers. We're in this interesting spot right now where there's something going on with each and every one of our teams. We're going to get to that here when the Wisco Sports Show returns here on WKTY. Just a few minutes. Radio Joe Zola is going to join us. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. More to come on WKTY. The Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY, 96.7 FM, 580 AM. As always, you can stream live at WKTYsports.com and on our mobile app as well. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're having a great night. We are joined now on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line by the executive producer of the Bill Michael Show. You hear him every day, 11 to 2, right here on WKTY. That is one radio, Joe Zenzola. Joe, what's going on today? It's been a while. What up, Grant? How are you? I'm doing great. There's nothing super specific to talk about this week. It's it's all this NBA trade deadline speculation, and now the Packers have a special teams coach, and is the Brewers or the Hot Stove League. It's just a little bit of everything. I want to try to touch on it all. Um, I, well, let's start with the Packers. Yesterday, I, I was talking, I think for myself and for a lot of our listeners, for the first time in a while, we're more excited about the Brewers and the Bucks than we are about the Packers. And I know you're over in Milwaukee, so it's a little bit different, but have you gotten that same vibe that maybe for the first time here, in a couple of years, or at least in the Aaron Rodgers era, we're actually more excited about the Brewers in January, at least this year, than we are with the Packers and the Bucks. Are you getting that same sense? Yeah, I think a little bit. Uh, you know, we're trying to do our best too on the Bill Michaels show to kind of spread the word about the Bucks a little bit to try and get people more invested into this basketball team because I think really a lot of people around the state are missing out on the Bucks, and I, I understand why people don't follow the Bucks. I understand that mediocre basketball team and you know like in the last couple of decades it's been bad basketball and for me growing up as a Bucks fan it really hasn't been enjoyable but I think now is the time to pay attention to them they got a good thing going and you know same thing with the Brewers the Brewers proved how good they were last year based on getting to the NLCS getting to the game seven being one game away from the World Series I think people certainly in your neck of the woods should really be excited about the Brewers And I know a lot of people will probably make that trek out to Miller Park at some point this year. But, yeah, the excitement's very high. I think it's really a 
good time to be a Wisconsin sports fan. And uh, definitely excited about the Matt LaFleur hire, and we'll see kind of how it pans out. I think if the Aaron Rodgers Packers can be our third interest in January, we're doing pretty good. We have a lot of fun teams to talk about right now. Let's start with the Brewers, and we'll kind of wrap up with the Bucks because they obviously play Toronto tonight. We're going to shift right into that. You can hear the Bucks tonight on WKTY. This Brewers offseason has been quiet. Wade Miley, it looks like, is, is not going to be signing with the Brewers. He just signed with Dallas for a one-year contract. So, uh, or, or Houston, excuse me, not Dallas. I, yeah. I'm looking at Kristaps Porzingis on the screen, too, so I got Dallas on the mind. But they're not getting Wade Miley like I kind of hope they would. It's been a quiet offseason. I know you are a very cautious uh, fan. You, you don't ever, it doesn't sound like you're ever willing to want the Brewers to go for it. They haven't gone for it this offseason. What has your assessment been so far? Have you been disappointed? Not at all. I, I really <laughs> like what, what David Stearns has done because going into the offseason, my thought process was I don't really think the Brewers have to make a ton of big moves here. I mean, the, you know, the rumored move was Madison Bumgarner. Would the Brewers go after him? But, you know, my whole take on that is I'm not willing to give up one of my top prospects in the system to get one year of Madison Bumgarner. If it was for multiple years, if it was two, three years, okay, you know, let's talk. But one year of Madison Bumgarner, I, I just I don't know if it's going to be worth it. And the guy's got an injury history. Now, with that being said, like I said, the, based on seeing all these young pitchers step up late in the season, in the postseason, I just want to kind of roll the dice and see what you got going into the season. And if there is a strong, glaring need, if certain guys aren't getting the job done, and you start to go for the first couple of months and you really haven't been impressed with some of these guys but then I think that's when you kind of start making those trades and you start adding to your team I, I, I think right now they are um, a very complete team in baseball I, I think really if you look all around the diamond outside of second base I think for the time being that'll be covered um, but I mean the Yasmani Grandal signing that was a that was a big signing for the Brewers because yeah, you're paying the guy $16 million this season, but it's not like you're paying him $16 million over five years, something that a small market franchise can't do. I mean, Grandal's one of the top three catchers in the league, and I know you know, he, he helped the Brewers win a couple of games in the NLCS, but overall, his career, he is one of the top catchers offensively and defensively, and you're able to get him on the Milwaukee Brewers, and now you're set at that position. You really don't have to worry about Manny Pena and Eric. And, you know, you've added some extra arms in the bullpen. Alex Claudio, I think, could be a very underrated move. He's a left-hander um, that can give you a lot of stuff. And, you know, they acquired a, a right-hander who, if they can get his control right in Bobby Wall, he could be another weapon in the back end of the pen at some point this year. I, I just, I, I to me, I'm not really um, upset at all with what David Stern has done. And you flip guys like Domingo Santana and Keon Broxton for prospects to kind of you know, replenish your farm system after you traded a bunch of guys back in the trade deadline last year. I just, I, I think for right now, I'm, I'm really excited and I really like what they've done so far. Joe, I, I like this offseason because I don't think they've overextended themselves, but I worry about the NL Central and how much better it's gotten. And I just think the Cubs are going to finish stronger this year. I, I, I think the Cubs are going to be better. The, the Cardinals and the Reds both have to be better with what they've done in this offseason. Should I be concerned about the rest of the NL Central? Well, I think the NL Central is going to be the toughest division in baseball, hands down. Yeah. I mean, I, I, this whole thing with Cincinnati is just weird to me because why is it all of a sudden they want to try and go for it when they know they have three other teams in the NL Central that they're going to be having to deal with that, you know, quite frankly, are probably better than them? 
I I don't I really don't know what to make of the Reds. They got Derek Johnson, who could be the Brewers' secret weapon that helped his pitching staff be as good as as what they were last year. So we'll see how Derek Johnson transforms that pitching staff because on paper. The Brett's don't have a bad rotation, and really, if you look around their diamond, they've got some good players, too. I don't know, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if the Chicago Cubs maybe finished in third place with all this competition, because really, what big moves have the Cubs made this year? They're bringing back a lot of guys, and their rotation is kind of old. I, I, I don't really know what to think about Chicago. They, they should be a good team, but... Are we kind of glorifying them and penciling them in to win the division this year? I don't know. I think the Brewers certainly still have a great chance to win, win the division, and honestly, I think they will win this division, um, You know, unless there's some other moves to be had. But I think these teams are going to be beating up on each other, and I would not surpri- it would not surprise me at all, Grant, if the Brewers still came on top when it's all said and done. Sure, Joe and Joe Zinzola, executive producer of the Bill Michaels Show, joining uh, the Wisco Sports Show on the Five Star Telecom Target Text Line. This is what I was trying to tweet this, and I couldn't figure out how to word it in however many words, so I just kind of gave up. Is it entirely possible that the Reds looked at what the Brewers did last offseason and said, all you need to do is go out and get one or two guys and hope a couple dudes on the team maybe overperform just a little bit, you get hot at the right time, and it's very possible to all of a sudden contend very quickly in a competitive division. Do you think the Reds looked at the Brewers and... and said, well, maybe it is possible to do uh, do it in just a year or two. Yeah, maybe. And, it, it, I mean, baseball right now is it's transforming into, you know, we don't want to be a rebuilding team for three, four, five years. You know, a couple yeah. years ago I got grilled for how I looked at the Brewers and, <laughs> and maybe how long this rebuild was going to be. You know, I mean, I, I was just looking based on the fact that you traded away all your veteran players. You're bringing back minor leaguers. And the thought process was that, you know, the guys on your current big league club right now, most of these guys probably aren't going to be on your World Series team. It's going to be the guys that are in your farm system. That's probably going to take about, you know, two to three years just to get up here and then develop into big leaguers. But now what's happening across baseball is you're seeing these teams that they'll, you know, be sellers one year. They'll acquire all these top prospects. And then what will happen is, they'll flip them the following year and get big league talent because maybe they hit on a couple of guys out of the shoot and now all of a sudden they have the assets to move to now get a couple more big players to put them over the top. And the Brewers were a perfect example of it. I mean, they accelerated the rebuild because, you know, the, the year before this season, the Brewers, no one expected them to be as good as they were. So now all of a sudden you have the collateral to get a Christian Yelich in here, and you've got money to spend to get Lorenzo Cain in here, and it changes everything. So, yeah, the Reds the Reds are they're trying to do it the same way because they've got cornerstones and Joey Votto and Scooter, Scooter Jeanette. It's just going to be so tricky because this division is going to be really, really tough. I mean, I, I don't – the Brewers had the window because you, you only had to worry about the Cardinals and the Cubs. Yeah. Pittsburgh and Cincinnati were not there. The Reds, I feel like, might be going for it at the wrong time just because now they have three teams to deal with, and you really can't rule out Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh can be pesky, too. Um, but I, I think teams don't want to go into these long-term rebuilds. And, and you're seeing teams like you know, the Padres. The Padres have like 10 top 100 prospects in their organization, but now what they're trying to do is 
they're trying to go after a big name like a JT Real Muto down in Miami because now that they have the prospects, they feel like they could they can make a quick flip and they could be right back into the NL West either this year or the following year. So, I, I mean, I, again, I don't really know. I I am taking the Reds seriously, and and we shall see. I mean, that that to me is where baseball is going. No one wants to sit through a rebuild, but they want to be able to get as many prospects as they can. If they feel like they're in a position where they got enough players to do it, then they'll flip them and you know make them stronger. It's interesting to watch where baseball is going. You see one team do something, and all of a sudden that's the new blueprint blueprint uh, for success. And, and maybe that is the Brewers in the Central. I don't know. I, I wanted to touch on one more team. I, I did want to talk Milwaukee Bucks. We have just got a slowly growing fan base of Milwaukee Bucks fans and watchers over here on this side of the state, and it's awesome because this team is really fun to watch. I mean, they sit at 36-13 and 13 right now. They're first in their division and in their conference and in the NBA record-wise. They play Toronto tonight. Like I said, you can hear that on WKTY. We're approaching the trade deadline. I, I just, for some reason, maybe I'm trying to will it into existence. I don't think the Bucks are done. There's people who are saying, why would you mess with a good thing? And I understand that 100%. I almost agree but I also think as soon as you're not getting better, you're getting worse by comparison. Do you think the Bucks fit in in any of this trade deadline action, whether it's big-name players or, or like your veterans, like your buyouts, who last year were your, your Ursan Ilyasovas and your Gallinari's? It looks like the Hawks are trying to fire sale a lot of their older, more established players. Where do the Bucks fit in uh, in the next week and a half or so leading up to the deadline? Well, to me, I don't think they're going to make a big move. Like Anthony Davis, for example, is never happening. It doesn't it's make just sense. Not. And chances are, if he does get traded, it'll be to the Lakers. I mean, earlier today, Magic Johnson put out five different offers to New Orleans. So if Anthony Davis goes anywhere, it's L.A. Otherwise, I don't really see any big-time players getting moved, and I also don't see the Bucks trying to flip Chris Middleton or Eric Bledsoe for a big player if there's a big player to be had. I mean, Kristaps Porzingis, if that was the guy the, the Bucks really wanted to go after, they had their chance. Dallas just, I mean, I, I've never seen a, a situation where you go into a meeting this morning, talk to the next, say you're worried about the future, and then the next trade you a couple hours later, and they already have a deal in place. I, I haven't seen that in a long time in the league. But anyway, I mean, with, with the Bucks. The only the only position I could see them upgrading is probably center, and that's just because Son Maker wants out, and maybe they can flip Son and get another center in here that could you know back up Brook Lopez and could back up Giannis, maybe a maybe a big man that can stretch the floor. That's really the only thing I can think of. Otherwise, this team is so deep right now that even if you have a couple of injuries like you did the other night with Malcolm Brogdon and Sterling Brown, that you got other guys that can kind of just fill the gap. I mean, Pat Compton really hasn't played much because the team has been healthy and their bench has been so darn good. Well, Pat Compton comes out the other night against Detroit and, you know, has one of his best nights of the season. It's just, it's so hard to sit here and expect the Bucks to do something big. I just, I, I really don't think, I don't think they will, Grant. I, I would, I would not be surprised at all if they just decide to stand Pat and roll with what they have. I think what they have right now is good enough to, not only win a playoff series, but I think get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I, I really do believe that. No, I agree. I think if there's one move to be made, it might be Dwayne Dedman. Uh, that's a player that, I've, that I'm have yeah. that i interested in. I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I just don't know if you flip Thon Maker for Dwayne Dedman. I think Thon has a lot of upside. I don't know if he fits on the Bucks, but I think he's a little bit more valuable than Dwayne Dedman is. But we'll see, and that's what makes 
the NBA trade deadline so fun. I can't wait. And I know you're hyped up for the for the Raptors Bucks game tonight. How do you think this game's going to go? I wasn't planning on asking, but I know you're excited. What are you expecting tonight? I, this is a this is a critical game for the Bucks yeah. when it comes to getting the number one seed. I, I just because if you if you win this game, you, you now have the tiebreaker over Toronto, and that's huge because even though the Bucks keep winning games, Grant. Everyone else in the Eastern Conference is also winning. Oh, yeah. You just cannot you can't get any separation from these other teams. You just can't. No, the Bucks are the Bucks are playing awesome and, and the conference is good. People who say the West is that much better than the East, I think are are a little dated. The Eastern Conference is uh, has some players right now uh, and I'm excited yeah. to watch it down the stretch. So, tonight Raptors Bucks tonight, Joe, I know you're excited. Uh we can listen here on WKTY. Are you going to be at the game? No, the game's in Toronto. That's right, Joe. Yeah, I I didn't get a plane ticket and i have a passport but i didn't get a plane ticket. it's probably warmer up there that's the thing though it's weird it's weird to think it's warmer in toronto than it is here apparently this weekend it's supposed to get like close to 50 from what i heard at least in southeastern wisconsin no no you guys i I love it 39 40 degrees this weekend it's gonna feel balmy and and i'm excited joe I, i appreciate it i wish we could talk longer our conversations always go long we always get so much and i love having you on uh thanks for giving us a couple minutes and i hope to talk soon again down the line yeah man anytime you just give me a call thanks joe you have a good one you too, Grant. Joe Zanzola, executive producer of The Bill Michaels Show. You hear that program every day, 11 to 2, uh, right here on WKTY. Bill's down in Atlanta. Interestingly enough, Joe doesn't get the invite. Joe's got to stay behind and, and hold the ship down in the studio. So, Bill Michaels, 11 to 2. And, of course, Radio Joe Zanzola as well every day here on WKTY. I should say weekdays on WKTY. There's a lot going on tonight. We did talk about the Bucks and the Raptors. That is a pivotal game. It's going to... Decide the season series and in turn decide the tiebreaker for when it comes time to seed the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, of which the Raptors and the Bucks looking to be on top come the end of the season. There's a lot more than that game going on tonight as well. There's some college action. There's some high school action. Uh, it's just a lot swirling right now, not only in the state of Wisconsin, but in lacrosse specifically. And we're really blessed with a lot of sports action. I put a poll up on Twitter. What's most interesting to you? I want to talk about a couple of these storylines tonight, and there's a really weird, talk more about the Bucs, there's a really weird storyline that I saw today, and I know Dave was hot about it. I saw Dave tweeting about it, and I'm sure they talked about it this morning. Mornings with Dave and Scrady, 6 to 9, I'm sure he had his opinions to say. So we're going to wrap up the Wisco Sports Show when we come back, and just kind of a, kind of a potpourri, kind of a, a, a stew with a lot of different ingredients to talk about as we wrap up the show, coming next on WKTY. segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Hope you're having a good night. Thanks for jumping on board. We do have a lot going on tonight, and we've talked about a lot so far today. So if you're just joining us, I guess what you've missed, we talked about the Packers' new special teams coordinator, the final piece of the puzzle, at least big piece of the puzzle. They'll fill in the cracks and, you know, strength and conditioning and other members of the staff like that, but get their new special teams coordinator today. So for the most part, you can close the door on uh, the coaching hires for the Green Bay Packers in the 2018-19 offseason. We talked a little bit about the trade deadline and kind of what's swirling around. We just finished a conversation with Radio Joe Zola, the executive producer of The Bill Michaels Show. So if you missed any of that and you want to go back and check it out, which of course you should, you can do so at WKTYsports.com. Click on all of our shows. You can listen to them as podcasts. Skip around. Listen to what you want. Skip what you want. doesn't matter. Uh, it's a podcast. That's the beauty of it. So find it at WKTYsports.com. I put up a poll on Twitter. You can follow us at WKTY. 
Uh, tonight is jam-packed with sports action. Not only Wisconsin sports, but specific lacrosse sports as well. Uh, I said, what are you most interested in? Bucks Raptors. We have both uh, UWL men's and women's basketball in action. Uh, men's hosting Stevens Point. Women's are traveling. The women's. The women are traveling to Stevens Point. And then Central is taking on Aquinas tonight as well. 63% of you are going Bucks Raptors. 38 for UWL men's and women's basketball. 0% for Aquinas and Central. Nobody? Nobody. We got to have one high school sport nut out there. Come on. Central Aquinas, although Central is, uh, and this is by no means uh, talking down to Aquinas, Central is probably the much better team in that matchup. So maybe you're just like, well, normally it would be Central basketball, but I'm thinking I'm thinking it's going to be a bloodbath tonight, right? I think Central is going to run away with it. And if you think that, that's fine. Maybe you, that gets rid of your interest. But I, I was a little bit surprised to see more people uh, not buying into Central Aquinas tonight. But about 65% are in on Bucks Raptors, and that is fantastic because if you can't watch a game, you can listen to it here. On WKTY, that game gets underway at about 7. It's also on TNT tonight, so it's a national game as well, uh, which Bucks fans always want to make into a big deal. When you get on national TV, you can't screw it up. I, I think it's a little bit silly, but tonight's game is huge for a bunch of reasons, not just because it's at not national TV, but as Joe said, this game is probably going to be a big deciding factor. Well, it is going to be the deciding factor in who wins the season series, and if it comes time down the road that seating is decided by a tiebreaker, this game is going to decide it. It comes down to, in a seven-game series, who's playing more games at home, whether it's at the Pfizer Forum or whatever their arena is, <laughs> is called up in Toronto. Uh, obviously, you want those games in Milwaukee, so seeding is important, whether it comes down to the one or the two, I hope, or the two and the three or whatever it may be. Uh, the tiebreaker it could very well be on the line tonight with uh, the season series being decided. So that game gets underway at seven. Listen, here on WKTY, Central and Aquinas going head-to-head tonight as well. Like I said, Central is probably, well, Central is the much better team. Now, that doesn't mean they're necessarily going to run away with it, but maybe that makes the matchup a little bit less intriguing. UWL men hosting Stevens Point, the women traveling to Stevens Point. So, unfortunately, we're not carrying either one of those games because we're carrying Bucks raptors uh, So, if you are not planning on watching the Bucks game and you are a D3 college sports nut, get over to Mitchell Hall. They'll be playing the game in Mitchell Hall tonight and then wrestling, which is also rescheduled. Uh, I believe, well, basketball is rescheduled. I guess I'm not 100% sure. I thought that maybe wrestling was scheduled for last night and push forward. Uh, but nonetheless, both being played in Mitchell Hall tonight. Wrestling is over in the field house. And basketball is in the gym. Because as my roommate, who is a wrestler, said, well, I guess the basketball basketball players need the hoops or whatever. <laughs> That was his reaction to having to wrestle in the field house. So some good Division Three sports going on in uh, in Mitchell Hall tonight on the campus of UWL. So lots of options. There was one other weird story that I wanted to touch on today, and that was one that I saw Dave Carney tweeting at about at length. Pretty impassioned tweets today. There is actually growing sentiment and growing discussion that Jason Kidd is reportedly a candidate to replace Luke Walton. As coach of the Los Angeles Lakers, this is real life. I've seen multiple reports from NBC, NBC Sports. This is from MSN, the one that Dave tagged uh, in his tweet, which is so weird to think about. We're thinking about coaching candidates to replace a coach who not only hasn't been fired yet, but we're not 100% sure he's going to be fired. And he very well could be, don't get me wrong, but it's not like this isn't a done deal, right? There's a conversation happening, but it isn't 100% that Luke Walton is going to be fired. There's growing conversation, especially coming from LeBron's camp and from Magic Johnson specifically, because they were all new additions. They weren't, Luke Walton isn't Magic Johnson's guy. He's not LeBron James' guy. Not that anybody should be LeBron James' guy. He's a player, not a coach or front office member, but Jason Kidd? Really? This is a dude, all you need to do, here, here's here's how you can decide whether or not Jason, Co- Jason Kidd is the right coach for the Los Angeles Lakers. Let's look at the Milwaukee Bucks. Let's watch them last year. 
and let's watch them this year. There you go. Case closed. <laughs> That's how we know if Jason Kidd is the right coach for the Los Angeles Lakers. And I'm 100% serious. I'm absolutely 100% serious. This is what Dave had to say on Twitter. Dear God, Laker Nation, I pray this doesn't happen. Jason Kidd is an abysmal coach and has no place in the NBA. Maybe the big three would be okay, but not Lakers. Follow follow Dave at Dapper Dave uh, C on Twitter and, and get all of his thoughts on Jason Kidd because you need to hear him. Jason Kidd is awful. Uh, and I have never been a fan, and I can't imagine and don't imagine why the Lakers would want to replace Luke Walton with Jason Kidd, but then again, uh, we've seen some pretty dumb things go down in the NBA the last couple of weeks, so you never can know. That's why it, that's why the league is so fun. So a lot going on tonight, uh, local, high school, college, NBA, a lot of action. Tomorrow night, Logan on Alaska is going to be covered here at 545, so that means our time here on the Wisco Sports Show will be cut short because we got to throw it over to Drew Kelly, who's going to be calling Logan on Alaska tomorrow night so that's a peek at what is coming same time same place tomorrow quick chat before the logan on alaska game i cannot wait to wrap up the week tomorrow the wisco sports show one more time tomorrow on